Nick, how's it going this week? Good. How are you? Good. I've had a few days out where I've gone and explored London a little bit more, although I live here. I feel like a tourist on holiday. So it's been it's been fun. Went to the Italian deli that's opened in Liverpool Street, which TikTok's basically blown up in a good way. And then been to other places, which is nice, quite quiet. Yeah, I've been having thoughts about that whole... We're, we're moving to a new office June 1st, which in between Old Street and Angel. And I'm thinking, I can't drive there anymore because we're in Camden at the moment, so I drive. I'm like, I can't drive there. That's a total pain. Parking's a nightmare. Travel time's long. And I'm like, I'm going to have to get back on the tube, aren't I? I'm going to have to at least get back on the trains. I don't want to do it. I don't want to go back to that life. And it's like, where can the reality land? I might, obviously, I could bike from uh, Euston, like get a Boris bike or whatever and, and fly down. But like when you're just, oh, I just don't want to go back there. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to have to get on a train again. I don't want to have to get on the tube. Like it was a horrible existence, stuck under someone's armpit on the tube. We, we're quite lucky where we are because we've got sort of direct trains into sort of central, east and west. And we can get the Uber boat, which is the Thames Clipper, and then the DLR. And the DLR was nice and quiet yesterday. Mm. And we went between when the schools are coming out, which I imagine is quite a busy line. So I think there's certain parts of London which will which will stay as is for a little while and then and come back. You can definitely sense... Uh, a step change this week yeah I've seen it with just in terms of like I played some golf went to the pub at the weekend and you just know just a quick pint afterwards but it was just the the vibe was different people were returning it was just the, there's certain things though like about lockdown which have been so good and I'm just like I hope a lot of the good things remain but I've just got this like the closer we get to return to normality as it were it makes me just wonder how many people are just going to want to go back to the way it was before, which wasn't, I think, a good way. Yeah, with the previous podcast, I think we've touched upon it and talked around it quite a lot, but I think that I've changed an opinion on how quickly people revert back to normal, but I think there's going to be probably... Last week I said I think it will take about six weeks to work out where people will land, mm. of where they want to work, and how hybrid will work for them my own opinion is now I think we'll probably find out in four weeks mm. and that the people who have been craving you know extroverts craving other people to get their energy I think they'll learn pretty quickly that they weren't as extroverted as they thought they were and mm. even they will need one, two or three days where they're, they're just nowhere near people and then introverts I think will will escape as quickly as possible because of all the things that they didn't like the know the commute and the fighting for office space and meeting rooms and all of that I think we'll just people will will fight back and realize it doesn't work for them which is good anyway but yeah I think because there's so much change there's so many tools that have come out I think we're going to be in a great place in the in the coming weeks or months yeah again it's where it's what it settles down to it's senior management attitudes i've got a sneaking feeling that partner will be oh we've you know we've taken this new office it's a bigger space it costs a lot of money crazily we want to fill it 
and for me it's more what's the best working conditions for our team like and uh, how can we you know create an environment that allows our business to to prosper uh, because our team are happy feel secure there's a good balance between office time non-office time and i think yeah it's it's a fascinating one but we did a whole podcast on that i'm excited about <laughs> today's conversation on uh, the future state of voice so i'll do the i'll do the typical setup if you want this week and we'll go through it so my intro is voice has been like a trendy topic over the last five years it replaced the year of mobile it's like the year of audio or the year of voice the largest firms have tried voice and audio and some have cracked it to own enough of the market or you know share of wallet podcasts are booming there's more and more obviously this is one of the reasons why we do the podcast the radio like a stat that still astounds me every day although i invested quite a lot of money in radio ads a few years ago is radio still listened to over 20 million so there's so much voice that happens and so much listening so if only if over 20 million people listen to radio every day alone so that's one in about people in the uk listen to radio every day there's still such a high demand for it one of the questions we'll hopefully answer is natural language too complicated to understand so one of the reasons why i say that is microsoft shut down cortana their version of siri but then spent almost 20 billion on something that's a natural language processing powerhouse basically that's used in medical and then clubhouse this week rolled out their android invite only app so basically it was the next frontier of, of voice mm. have they released it just in time to save it where every other mm. company's gone into it i think we I think there are some of the, the interesting and important topics we can dive into this week. Yeah, 100%. And from a work perspective, I've had some experience with voice and natural language, which is has been interesting. We're going back now six years. My last company, which was a mobile market research business, we bought in when IBM released Watson, which was a natural language processing engine, and basically built on AI. We were using that for sentiment. At a very early stage, we had the kind of Watson dev kit, as it were, and we were trying to track any free copy, so any open field kind of answers that, that sat alongside the kind of Likert scale, strict kind of quant questions for sentiment analysis, which was really interesting at the time. And, and I remember that being from a language analysis perspective that was probably one of the earliest things I came across in my professional life and we were early adopters of that and that was really interesting it added a very easy layer to our market research data and the results that companies were able to to get and something that was beginning at the time added value but people are still getting used to that. And that is now part of the core proposition, whether IBM Watson is still the engine that's being used, I don't know. But that was one that kind of, I remember it came out and made a big splash and people were talking about it and it was good to access. And it seemed, because it was IBM, it seemed very hard forward thinking, like bleeding edge technology. And then you could get access to it and it just worked perfectly for our business in, in that respect and has carried. So I remember that coming and the benefits. And then the other one was when I was at the personalized nutrition company as a consultant advisor, there were some things I really wanted to do around voice in the home 
in the kitchen around personalised nutrition, we ended up pivoting that business more to a B2B play because that's where the market was and the revenue was at the time. But yeah, there were certainly some interesting projects that we had in the pipeline or at least in concept and early stage planning that I think could have been really powerful around voice in the home. And that was all leveraging Alexa. And so that was on the back of probably a year or so into to Alexa coming out. And I've got two, two Alexas in my house just because it makes certain things easier. But it doesn't come without its... Uh, it works better than Siri. But <laughs> it's not flawless by any means. And uh, there's certainly a lot of user experience points to, to improve with things like Alexa. But Alexa, for, for my family, my household, has certainly normalised voice to a level where voice is normal to my kids. And actually, they embrace voice because at three and five years old, they can ask Alexa to put on one of the crazy songs that they like to listen to, whether it's the fart song, Adam and the Ants, or Michael Jackson, they are able to request that for themselves and have a little disco in whatever room they're in when, if Alexa can understand what they're asking for, which kind of probably a seven out of 10 success rate on that, probably higher for my five-year-old and lower for my three-year-old. But Isn't certainly it, to them, it's normalised. Isn't it the something when you and I talk around the topics and have a quick sort of brainstorm around them is an accent one of the most interesting layers of complexity for these tools obviously they spend millions of hours analyzing the data but say your kid has a different accent to your other mm. kid it can happen some people have different accents like in households yeah. for them to learn for them to learn different accents they have to have hundreds of on thousands of hours on the accent so if someone's got you and i have quite specific accents i suppose you'd probably say local ac you're being kind <laughs> could have said cockney geezers mate the danny dyer i've been someone's messaged me and said i sound more and more like danny dyer every episode so i don't know well, if that's got, a good or bad thing your name's close yeah and but that's the thing voice at home and it's been a normal uh, voice is normal for kids is a really interesting point but I wonder if, if they'll ever get close enough to, to, to different accents I know Irish and Scottish were particularly challenging for Alexa and Siri to understand I, I think it's a really good point and I think the accents problematic for humans to process and understand regard just in your normal work like we've got a very diverse team from across the world both on the operational side of the business and the tech side of the business and a South American so we've got, for example, a Colombian person in our team. They're trying to understand the Irish person on our team over a voice call where or Zoom where the audio is crappy. Like their headphone quality is not good. It then becomes a bit muffled. And you just get a lot of yes and polite nodding rather than... Because you can't keep asking, what did you say? So, yeah, it's a challenge to the, the natural language engines. I think also it raises a, an important point, which I think we can come on to later, which is the amount of data needed to power these things. And, and where are those data sources? Which leads us down the route of privacy versus, I suppose, convenience, which is a topic I think we can pick up on later. But I think that normalization, I've seen it. And I think if anybody listening, if you can think about where you've seen voice coming through, for me, it's been Alexa, or if you've got Google Home, 
I've seen very much in my own household that's a thing. I've seen it in my in-laws' household. Alexa's going to try and talk to me now because it heard me say her name, so I've muted. Yeah, I've seen it my house, in-laws' house. They're older, they can just say turn on... They see it as the new radio. They just use it as a radio or they steal my Spotify without actually understanding the consequences of that when it's messing up my playlist and Rod Stewart's at the top of my most listened to or like something ridiculous. Rod's not too bad. That was actually not a too bad example of stuff they listened to. There's some shockers on there. And they use it just as a radio. The the one thing I think we've all seen probably coming through is voice notes on WhatsApp or SMS or wherever that might be. And it might be a good discussion point because I find those a little bit difficult to deal with as in... I don't really like the sound of my own voice, so listening back to these podcasts is always difficult for me. But I don't think anybody likes to send their own voice particularly. But these WhatsApp voice notes, there's certain people that send voice notes. There's been a a sharp spike in my household with my partner now sending voice notes. And there's certain people that send voice notes of a couple of minutes long. It's this back and forth, random conversation on demand. And my partner is not a headphone wearer she is the opposite of a headphone wearer i think a lot of voice notes and things have been fueled by the rise in wireless headsets i think it's made listening to video one having your headsets in more often like the airpods are great because you've got the transparency mode and noise cancellation mode and you can go between the two so technically you never have to take them out unless you want to charge them or not look like as much of a wally just walking around with them to chatting to people in your ear but we constantly get video sent to us on whatsapp and other communication channels or content sent to us that we want to consume the audio on that is disruptive to other people in the room i'm a big kind of i don't want to disrupt you with my audio or like we'll be watching tv on the rare occasion that i actually get to sit down in an evening and just sit and watch some crap and my partner will be sitting there we're obviously both on our phone whilst watching tv because that's what you do these days and she will then play a voice note and i'm like are you kidding it's like taking a call whilst the other person's watching something it's like are you kidding me you're playing this voice note out loud i don't want to hear it it's now i can't hear the telly because she's not a headphone person but i think there's a whole generation especially gen z i suppose that are just always earphones in and because the earphone technology's got a lot better actually there's no audio jacks in more recent iphones and everything that's pushed people into those wireless headsets i think that's given the opportunity for headsets to come sorry for for voice dictation and and more audio based things to come through we've seen that reflected in the market you mentioned clubhouse earlier i think also the popularity of voice notes is interesting because although it's almost like the halfway house between a message and a phone call and we've seen zoom become more normalized during the pandemic and i think that kind of halfway house adds a touch of a personal touch almost it's quite cold like receiving a a message you might not be able to decipher the tone but actually the voice note you're getting someone's voice you're able to decipher the tone you're able to feel like it's more personalized and i think there's an element of that as well but those voice notes are something that i've adopted with certain people sometimes it hasn't really stuck with me because yeah i just haven't 
jumped on that train but i do see the convenience if you're walking around like i've tried to do it in the car and it doesn't quite work it just messes up your message and it can't understand some of my some of my sayings or language style and then just messes up the message and then like you, then you have to be like oh sorry if you can't read this it's just like no i'm in the car and i'm voice dictating it, it just seems like then it becomes a faff but i do see that you're walking along you, and typing it's a lot easier to just activate it on your headset, dictate something, send it. But again, we're still not quite there on the full automated flow of that. If you were like, hit the headset, boom, Siri, send a voice note to Danny Dyer. All right, geezer, want to go down the pub tonight and get a few red? Then you could do it, like, and it would just goes to the right person. The note's there, it's being sent in the right format, therefore understandable at the other side rather than dictated voice and voice to text we're still not quite there with it yet but the amount of data that's going through it back to your point earlier about the complication of natural language and the accents and everything else i think that it is the more data we pump through it the more it's going to develop and learn and the better it's going to become but yeah i've certainly noticed that rise in in voice notes do you do voice notes with anyone just out of interest i don't and the reason why I don't is so if I dissect it a little bit WeChat were very smart in how they got people to use voice and voice notes so they understood that a phone call is only convenient to the person that's phoning so who's using the phone call itself so actually the receiver isn't convenient to them unless they've organised the time and WeChat were really clever at understanding that actually if you send a voice note, it could act as three things. A phone call or an unbundled phone call. It could act as a, a voicemail and it could act as a text message. So WeChat were very smart in China and run out there that they understood that that was a case. Uh, I don't send them because I don't want to receive them. I don't want to have to... I live with headphones in. A, a, like I have my AirPods Pro in all the time to the point that it annoys people. I'm like the, one of the Arsenal coaches that has it in and no one understands why he's got it in. I put it in just so because I listen to podcasts continuously and that's how I learn. But I don't necessarily send them. I think what WeChat, where WeChat was copied in on WhatsApp and iMessage was that you could put them in and it was almost as convenient as possible to send them. And I think that's a habit that a lot of younger people did. And then I've seen it a lot more now. There's a lot of um, what I'd call silver surfers, like the older demographic that do it. I just don't want, I don't like the idea of sending voice notes because it disrupts the day and the flow of a conversation. Hence why like a lot of businesses, if something still isn't working, you have to pick up the phone and speak to someone because it's more natural. I think to have a conversation that's in note format it's difficult because you have to keep listening to it and then pick up what they've said and what they mean and I think that's one of the, the core problems with voice and so the other point I'd sketch down was I think audio as a service one over voice as a service because audio is more input so it's more like there's more input to listen to and something if you have your airpods in it helps you develop out and listen and then into engage with versus voice as a service where you have to dictate and it doesn't give you too much feedback. So that's why I think the assistance worked. Whereas I think a lot of the others haven't. So I don't know if that's something that you've ever thought about or 
you think might continue with your voice as a service is going to be as important as audio as a service? No, I'm big on the audio train at the moment. So we work with spatial audio. From being in extended reality, I've worked with spatial audio in some way, shape or form for the last sort of two, three years minimum, whether that's me looking into solutions and how we weave that into our product or whether it's experiencing. I remember speaking with Bose uh, a couple of years back, probably 2018, the head of their audio out in the States, and they do some fantastic stuff with AR-based headsets. Bose have got some, what they refer to as, they might have changed how they refer to it now, but AR headsets, which basically allows spatial audio in different parts of the room or the way, it's basically the easiest way to uh, explain it is almost like Dolby surround sound in your ears. You're hearing as if you're in the cinema and multiple speakers around the room, you can get those same effects through, through earphones and actually the Apple pods pro airpods pro they've got a spatial audio setting but you just don't notice it because it doesn't work with that many things apart from like one of the main things it does work with really nicely is disney plus so i was super psyched just to try the audio on disney plus so i got into falcon and the winter soldier which i hadn't watched and i just binged it in two days or three days because the audio was so good like it was so good it was better watching that on my iPad with my headphones connected and you can connect a lot wireless headphones to, to TVs obviously but it was better watching that on my iPad with that with the spatial audio on with the headphones in and really enjoying that sound quality audio quality and I think that for me audio is where it's at that doesn't really come into things like voice notes and things because you don't need we've seen it on Clubhouse right Clubhouse audio is terrible and it, it almost shows or demonstrates that like I'm not saying that Clubhouse is going to be around forever because it's already got signs that of fatigue and people needing to evolve significantly to bring more value. Uh, I think that it shows, though, for voice notes and for user-generated content that's a bit more on the fly, It matters, like the audio matters less. Now, there's very planned out user-generated content such as YouTubers and everything else that spend a lot of money and time on production value. And I think that's right. I think production value needs to be high if that is your day-to-day -day life. But for things on the fly with friends, less formal audio quality matters less. And I think that's where the kind of voice notes, like it's almost that human element, but also, you know, what I said earlier about the halfway house between a voice note being like between a text and a phone call. If we assume, and I don't always like to do this, but my assumption of younger generations like Gen Z in the digital era has been like when I grew up, we didn't have, we had you know, obviously some early stage games consoles and things, but we didn't have internet tablets smartphones connectivity like we have now and therefore human interaction was your fun you were going out you're playing football you were socializing that everything was driven around that was your fun and now we've flipped to a world where your fun can be at home all day every day in your chosen environment working gaming online chat rooms whatever it is it feels like and I'd like to see some data around this. I'm sure a lot exists, but it feels like a lot of 
there's certain groups of people that shy away from physical interaction and i know there's it's almost like the anxiety around making a phone call like people get anxious about picking up the phone and making a phone call and having to speak to someone like one-on-one on a phone call so i can certainly see there's going to be a section or segment of society where voice appeals because it means that you don't necessarily have that direct one-on-one interaction. Naturally, direct one-on-one interaction in certain circumstances is difficult. If we take a work environment and you're in a live negotiation, you've got to be a good negotiator, experienced, very confident, have, have tactics and skills to do those negotiations. If you then put in a barrier, whether that's email or whether that's very time limited calls so there's always a break and you have time to take stock and go back again and plan but i can see there's a place for that with some generations it's one of those things for me where i think audio led products are going to become as big as visual led products and everyone interacts with content differently whether you're a visual learner like you said you listen to podcasts a lot and so do i I love podcasts it's for me it's about finding the time and being able to concentrate i like to listen to a podcast think about it make notes or in the car is a really good time because i'm not distracted like i need to minimize that level of distraction but i think audio has been coming a long time we're starting to see the quality of audio with the headsets and the production value coming through and therefore i think voice has its place but i think there'll be a lot more audio led products with good quality than there will be like voices becoming like the voice dictation and things is becoming for me it's like becoming like a utility is it just convenient to voice dictate a text or is it send a quick voice note and i think it's the normalization of those things in social groups but from a product perspective i think if i was going to invest anywhere i'd invest in in good quality audio i think the quality is such an important part i think people have like one of my pet peeves is when people don't have headphones in and don't have a headphone with a microphone in meetings especially when it's in a group format because it's so difficult to block out any of the background distractions so not only if you're on uh, a visual representation so you're on a video call like a zoom or a meet it's so difficult not to hear the interruptions in the background of someone else so therefore it makes the meeting even harder so one of the rules i have is always have headphones in and always have your mic in and so there's a tool that i use called around.co with one of my one of my clients that that is designed to stop background noise and echo so if you're in a hybrid situation so two people in the office and one's external and they're in the same room it'll take away the mic feedback and it'll take away the echo and it's free at the moment so i make as many people as i can use around to do that i think what you said around quality of audio in the home environment is also really important i often think that we might get into a point where people spend all this money on soundbars but i think people might actually end up putting in headphones because it gives you much better um, sound quality as opposed to something in a room that isn't built for acoustics so where I record this podcast last week we had issues with my fan on my laptop which shouldn't be an issue in 2021 my uh, living room is quite open therefore the echo is quite bad so you have to have a really good mic to stop that I think that the audio quality is going to be so important in a home setting as well so 
you said something around the Disney Plus and the shows. If you ever want to, if you ever want to watch something, there's something called Next, which is basically an AI-driven voice assistant that basically tries to take over the world. It's a little bit doomsday, but it's it's quite entertaining. I wouldn't watch it if you're if you've got any trigger. It should come with a trigger warning because it's quite intimidating for some people. It's on Hulu, I think, in the States. A couple of points I wanted to dig into. Like you said, I think the history is quite important to bring out with voice. So I think actually speech is one almost everyone can talk. So I think it's something that was quite important and then ended up onto the radio. And even now, you'll get a speech or a quote that you've heard before that will resonate and stick with you for your lot for life. And you probably keep coming back to those speeches. Uh, and I think radio is, is, was a core part, especially in World War Two. So, for instance, very quick, boring story for people or an antidote was the Germans handed out radio and they had one station in so they could control what people were thinking they could hear. And that's something that I'm not saying that the big tech companies have done, but when they give out free product is to use their products and use, you know, Google search and Amazon commerce versus using one of the other smart speakers. We've got telephone calls to voice narration and dictation, so especially legal. He then obviously dumped into the podcast era, the audio books. I actually think there's going to be a, a, a change in audio books where I think it will be, you know, you'll be able to listen to it, but I think you'll be able to interact with it. WeChat does this slightly in China, so it'd be well worth having a look at what they do. Voice search been around since about 2010, so it's been going for 11 years and it hasn't really improved greatly. So some people will do it on the walk, but to use your your terminology earlier, you can look like a Wally when you just talk out loud and there's people around you and they don't understand and have any context of what you've said. So another little antidote, I'm dyslexic. So often when I can't spell something, people say, I'll check the dictionary, is what people used to say. I have to dictate certain words because I really don't know how to start a word, but it helps me, like helps A, my spelling, but B, how to actually become a better speller and a bit more confident in certain words. It would be something that I think a lot of people haven't thought of that use case, but it's actually quite an interesting way of doing it. All the way through to live chat is a really important part of gaming, like you said, Nick. So, you know, Discord and a load of other networks have started to offer out voice as standard and Slack released. Actually said on, on a clubhouse that they're going to be copying that feature and rolling it out into Slack. I actually think that when you're doing stand-ups, voice stand-ups tend to be quite good, very precise. So it actually can replace a lot of the silly meeting etiquette that we all follow or the conditioning we follow to the voice assistants, to the smart speakers, Alexa, Apple HomePod, Google's Nest, all the way through to voice purchases. And we've had a question from one of the listeners, Adam, so we'll get to that in a bit, to listen to articles we might have seen in a lot of the large publications they've switched to audio so it's an input for voice and output for audio it's an interesting way of how people are trying to make it more rich and more immersive all the way clubhouse which you nailed there's already competitors so there's spotify have their version of it reddit have their version twitter already have rolled out their spaces which has got a number of issues but linkedin are going to roll one out facebook are so we've already hit saturation point about nine months into something that that was trendy at one point i just think we're going to follow these cycles constantly and just lastly i think what you said around audio especially in the workplace people think if they're speaking they're actually heard 
that's not always the point. It's whether you're listened to. So if you ever notice when people are really loud in meetings, it's because they're not, they don't think they're being listened to. They might be in the herd, but they don't think their message is getting across. I think that's one thing voice has over probably written text is you can raise your voice or you can add different flavors and sounds into your voice to make it resonate. Whereas on text, you have to capitalize it. You have to use block, italics, underlining. So I think voice will always have that advantage or unfair advantage over some of the other formats. I totally agree with that. I think that, yeah, that there's a lot here to unpick. And certainly one area that we haven't discussed is the privacy area that I think is key in all of this. I think that people are coming into this market. That means there's going to be more flow of data, voice-based data, language-based data. And we're already seeing a shift to things like decentralized server providers because people are already wary of the Amazons of this world, of the Googles of this world, constantly just mining that data, putting it into their AI engines and basically getting the additional benefits of you using their storage or services. And I think there's a big privacy debate there that's going to be had. And I think for me, I'm seeing like you mentioned Discord and I love Discord. I think Discord is one of the things that like it's another channel, right? And we use Discord and I don't use it as much as you. I need to adopt it more. I'm trying, but I've just got so many freaking Slack, Discord, WhatsApp, email. It's just, it's just overwhelming the amount of channels that we have now and keeping on top of them. If someone texts me, that's my least response, <laughs> but it gets through to me. Like I probably won't respond, but it gets through to me. But like in WhatsApp, mm. you're 10, 10 group chats down you're like oh where do i even start with this and yeah to take on discord but god what were you going to say about discord i was just going to say uh nick and i have nick is very much a he's a reader he doesn't he doesn't reply so he and i have very funny conversations and when nick has a spare five minutes you get a flurry of messages and then he disappears again so i think that's just a it's habitual for a lot of people and i think discord might be the place although microsoft tried to buy it and they turned it down i think discord might be the place that have nailed voice and text at the same point whereas yeah. you can, it's more asynchronous whereas i think a lot of the other tools just haven't got that yet Look, i i think we've seen another good point i i think you're right and i think there's this overwhelming choice now of different messaging platforms which is is difficult but what i'm seeing is the groundswell like where people are really starting to put their time in and this is if we're looking at the kind of foundational level of people that are going to dictate technology development and choices over the next few years discord is becoming the kind of tool of choice and we saw didn't we with whatsapp at the mass exodus <laughs> supposedly from whatsapp around privacy changes and people then all of a sudden i've got another 50 people suddenly on telegram and we obviously know the power of wechat in, in asia which i used when i was out on business over there because everybody i was meeting with was on wechat so it made sense but it, like we're i think there's almost a problem with too much choice of communication tool but i think where people will begin to settle is what's native on the phone i think that's number one and what's become native on the phone is what your backup restores when you change phones. So actually native 
is blended with what you've downloaded and used for a long time. But I, I do think these communication tools that offer more options, but in a really organized way, so it's not overwhelming. Like you mentioned my habits there. If I came in, like, I find it difficult to respond to messages because I'm one of those people that like, I don't just want to respond and not put any thought into this message. So I wait for a time where I've got more headspace to do it. But then sometimes there can be such a backlog because I haven't responded to everything as it comes in. I don't get around to everything. And some things I, le- I leave unread for ages thinking, oh, I definitely I want to spend some time like properly replying to this and then never reply because it gets so far down the chain. But I think places that offer a really nice user experience a good like discord's going to be great or discord already is great because it merges slack with kind of whatsapp with other things you've got all your community stuff but the problem is if none of your friends on it are, are on it or none of your people that you're working with are on it like we're like in a niche group i'm, I'm on two groups on discord one is ours and the other one that i've just been looking into nfts and things and and i started to look at the v friends community on discord which has been interesting to watch the nfts launch last night and jesus christ they were going for a lot of money if you made tons of money off a few hundred dollars or pounds with ethereum and you're willing and you just see it as well i only put in 300 pounds i'm going to give away thirty thousand pounds based on the current price of ethereum and how much some of the nfts are passing for and that is an investment you'll do it if you're trying to enter it's a big entry price and there might be better places to put your money. But anyway, we won't get into NFTs and crypto too much. But it's quite niche at the moment, Discord, I find. And I think that there might be a tipping point. If people, if the trends take us more towards, I want a really rich blend of DMs, voice notes, and channels for my communication tool of choice, and I can get everybody on there that needs to be on there that is in my network, I will move to that. And something like Discord that's really done a good job of blending voice with written, and obviously you have all your ability to share on there as well. It's a great communication platform, but it's like what's going to drive the adoption of it? I I don't necessarily think it's going to be the fact that voice is alongside those channels and everything else even that makes total sense. I think it's like how can we get enough people on there? How can we acquire enough people within adopters networks to take it on and really go with it especially when you've got the ability to do these things on different channels which is very fragmented but i can send a voice note on whatsapp i can send a message on whatsapp and everybody's got whatsapp so it's that dominance versus actually a better user experience and how can we prove that and how can i suppose voice play its part in in that adoption cycle Certainly audio is an interesting point. How much can that help? And when we jump into the kind of the future state, I'll make my points on that. Certainly a lot going on, but that privacy part of things that I mentioned uh, a minute or so ago, I, I think that is a concern. Like I think privacy should be a concern for a lot of people. I, look, the, the most common thing is people thinking that about their smartphones listening in, Facebook using your mic to listen into your conversations everybody's had it i'd be surprised if not everyone had it everybody has had it where you've been having a voice conversation with someone about something totally obscure my one that i always reference was we were talking about suits neither of us wear suits anymore they are days of old 
And we just had this random conversation about my mate's wedding, where he got his suit from. I mentioned a suit shop that I like, but don't shop at because I don't really need a suit. And the next thing I know, I'm being served ads from that suit shop. And I haven't Googled it. I haven't done anything other than had the verbal conversation. There are multiple people online that you will find giving their story, which is similar. Replace suit shop with table, tables, chairs, parrots whatever it may be and you're getting served those ads there is a privacy concern that people you're being listened into everybody knows what google does with gmail suite everybody or should be aware of how aws processes data on their servers and i think you know we're starting to move like most people are concerned with privacy but not passionate about privacy and uh, if convenience overrides their privacy concerns they'll take it but there are a lot of people and this is linked back to ideologies around politics and everything else that we're seeing it very much so in crypto and nft and things like that where alternative investments marketplaces products decentralization is the name of the game and that's where i think if there is a groundswell if that does start to filter through and we're already seeing a lot of political unrest and if this has the right backing and becomes the right narrative then i think that these bigger kind of data processes places that store voice and store data and analyze things all the time i think that could accelerate the shift to things that have a privacy first mentality you're privacy part is something that I think most people struggle to understand because of the convenience factor that's served to them. So your Facebook example is a prime example. People say they don't use Facebook, but they log into it every day. And that's just a big blue app, as they call it. It doesn't include WhatsApp. It doesn't include... People forget that WhatsApp's owned by it. They forget that Messenger's part of it. They forget that Instagram's part of it. Uh, you know, gamers with o Oculus, it's more sort of your space, Nick, but there's, there is this sort of value exchange, convenience exchange that people choose to do. So I think privacy is the prime example that ad based, when you say something and then you're served an ad, Facebook have tried to prove that isn't a thing and they can't do it. The amount of processing side that needs to happen, server side and phone side is immense. So. I'm, if you speak to any expert, they think it's you know, close to impossible to do. I've experienced the same thing I think a lot of other people have. But if you've had a conversation around it, the likelihood is you've probably searched for it anyway. So I think there is that, that sort of exchange. One example that sort of sprung to mind when you were talking was hack versus leak. You know, someone hacks into a, a prime service and takes out what you've said and then tries to use it against you. That's one level of it. I think the level down, which is probably more of a concern that people don't necessarily think of like, like screenshots are from what you've written and they send it and it goes into a side chat. I think that the leak is probably something that a lot of people are going to have to be wary of because it, it removes the context. So Jamie Redknapp released when Jose Mourinho was sacked from Spurs. His voice note was leaked on every social media site. So what was supposed to be private inside a very small group apparently went across to everyone and was shared across TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc. 
and I think the leaks from voice is probably going to be quite difficult because you're going to have to try and explain the context of it. So Jamie Redknapp was pretty clear because he's answering the question. But there's going to be so many times where people will save voice notes or will you know, screen record it and then share it. It'd be very difficult for you to move away from the, the nuance and be able, be able to explain that. So often that's a problem around privacy. Where you said around channel overload, the WhatsApp versus Signal versus Telegram, people obviously flooded back to WhatsApp and you know, group chats never went away, unfortunately, for a lot of them because they are noisy and the mute functionality doesn't work. I'm in a couple of very active senior groups where people will voice their concerns over something that's happened and then the community trying to help each other. But there's some people that are like, rather than typing, they're like sending long voice notes and it just doesn't add benefit to the to the group. Obviously it adds benefit to them or they can vent. But I wonder if voice is ever going to be able to be a balancing act or someone will be able to understand a tool will be able to translate that in real time. Like the tool we use for the for some of the show notes and the full show that we upload the transcription on uh, the futurestate.co.uk, that Descript, what we use, can turn all of our voice almost instantly into the 50-odd minutes that we usually record for, can turn that into a script, an editable script within minutes, like last week's was done in seconds pretty much. So it constantly improves. I think the, the last point I'd add on around voice is especially around the channel part is blackberry used to have this social feed so all your feed would go into one of their feeds onto their tool and then it would go through and i think that's one of the most important features that i miss the most is all your feeds into one at the time it's twitter facebook linkedin and it'd pull all of the updates into it and it used to be really simple so you didn't have to worry about every app notification you could click in go into it listen to it or engage with it and it disappear so you wouldn't have to worry about the hundreds of notifications. I think there'll be one tool that's really smart that'll be able to, to do that, and I'll cover that in hot takes. I think, Nick, you, you were waving when I talked around the Jamie Redknapp example, so I think you've got a, a point to include in or add some value. We've had a lot of stuff come through on the actual visual side of things with like deep fakes and the technology that's starting to exist there which is a very early stage right now we don't have to question it too much if we take ourselves back to the days of the he's wearing a wire in like film the one where he had the big microphone like taped it was police academy i think it was and he had the wire and they sussed him out but it's that whole thing is that that kind of covert voice recording without someone's permit like the jamie redknapp one was there's part of me that was like it sounded quite like Redknapp but was it Redknapp and the explanation makes sense and some guy could have just faked it because he's got too much time in his hands and he wants to see how far it can go so there's that whole part as well isn't there like oh I talked earlier about that the halfway house between a message and a phone call and it feeling more personalized there's also the other side of if it's someone you don't know if it's something that does go viral as a voice note how do you actually like, prove that it is genuine? And it would be super interesting if there was like a, a website and someone can go do this for free because I just haven't got time. And it probably exists. That's the other thing with most of my ideas. They probably already exist. Where someone could upload that audio recording, choose the person if they're in the public eye and get a match whether i ha again have the time to do it but i would be quite interested and then if someone did it and then it went round with the voice note 
99% match between this voice note and Jamie Redknapp based on a computer program analysing Jamie Redknapp's multiple hours of footage on Sky Sports and everywhere else that he appears. It would add that la layer of, oh, there's some level of authenticity to this. And I just wonder, like, with the rise in voice, could we see, and it again links back into that pri whole privacy aspect of this, could we see more fakes? Could we see, it's almost a, let's go back to when people listen to the arches on a regular basis on bbc radio 4 the oldest stars of entertainment were on the wireless were on the radio and it played such a big part alongside physical life that the radio was the kind of go-to for entertainment especially across the world especially if you wanted to interact with content globally like that was really the only way to do it before international tv broadcasts and everything else it's almost a slight revival of the old days as it were um, especially with podcasts, the rise of things like talk sport and more radio-based talk shows. But we've got this whole thing where if voice does have this groundswell, more people are using voice notes, voice dictation, voice everything, and voice becomes more normalised. Could we see more voice fakes as a normal thing? Well, here's what I recorded on the slide, blah, blah, blah. If you look at Cameo, it has uh, a load of lookalikes because they, you, know, you can't get Tom Cruise to do it, but that Tom Cruise deepfake was incredible there's also the justin bieber one that's doing around some tiktok the interesting thing will be how you can authenticate whether it's a fake or not and for instance on Descript, the tool that we used to edit you can also last week we used a lot of ums and ers and it'll take it out whereas if you want to overdub you can use it and it does it based on your voice profile so you can actually add words in so if i say something stupid or a word that doesn't make any sense, you can actually change it and it will use your own voice to do it. I wonder whether we'll have, in, in a few years' time we'll have to be verified or validated or everything. We'll have to have a blue tick next to it to do that. But I understand the fear of it in the world that we live in. I can't imagine that's the thing to worry about as much as a lot of the other stuff that, that goes on. This is usually a good place to, to tackle the future state of voice. The one thing I would, I tweeted, I tend to try and tweet out before the episodes. Nick and I record usually on Wednesdays. I tweet out asking if there's anything, any questions we should answer or any feedback that we should, you know, give or any take that we, any of our, we should have some of our takes on it. One good question we had yesterday was from Adam, who's from the Hut Group, around will voice commerce actually be a thing? And he had a, a very good and strong opinion based on it. Nick, I will let you you answer it first, then I will. And I think it probably segue nicely into hot takes. Yeah, I, voice commerce has been an interesting one to see it develop. I think there is that convenience and practicality element to it. We use Alexa shopping list a lot. So Alexa, add blah, blah, blah to my shopping list. If Alexa then said, is this item urgent? And if I said yes, and then Alexa was like, would you like me to order this for you? And I said, yes. And she's great order placed cost is this, it will be delivered tomorrow. Like, so if I was clucking for something, usually, sadly in my life, it's usually when I've run out of oat milk or something, I'm like, or coming to the end of that, I'm like, oh my God, it's like full emergency because I might not be able to have any coffee. So there's some things that I think it's, make sense for especially if we've seen it as well can you order 
voice order delivery if you've got regular orders. I think if there's some regularity and some repeat items that you're not really going to need to look at and you're not going to want to read reviews on and you're not going to want to do your your due diligence on, looking at delivery cost return cycles or all of these type things that play into some of your purchases, then I think if there's regularity to it and you're buying a product that you've bought several times before commerce, like voice commerce could work and it can be quite convenient. I think... On the other side of things, I think the way that we assess products and we mentioned on a previous show when I did that talk about insight hacking and how many people are researchers, I think we are all researchers and I think we like to do our due diligence to give us a state of basically that you feel secure in your purchase decisions and you're making the right purchases. I actually did a purchase recently, which was a soundbar which ties perfectly into obviously our, our subject topic today, but I bought a soundbar and I went in to get a specific one because the shops were open again and I wanted it to watch the cup final so I could have some decent audio and atmosphere when I was watching the cup final. So I was like, oh, and they didn't have the one I wanted, which I'd researched heavily and was reduced massively and seemed like a super good deal. They're like, oh, we can only get it in like three days time. So then I just bought like an alternative one and then read the reviews and I was like, oh no, I shouldn't have bought this. But I needed it for that specific day. I ended up setting it all up and not using it. So anyway, long story. Uh, but I think we like to do that level of due diligence. So that's where I see the differences being. I, I think there's like Amazon has made one-click purchase very easy. And there's certain just recurring things that you have in your life where it works. And for other things where you're going to need that level of due diligence, that level of confidence in your purchase decision, then, yeah, for me, it doesn't. But where, where are your thoughts? At? I don't know what Adam said, by the way. I did see his question come through and I did uh, see some of the back and forth, but I'm not sure where, where it ended up. Uh, I agree with Adam, who said it's overhyped nonsense. Uh, I think, <laughs> similarly to you, I think that it fits repeat purchases or a SKU number or if it was like a barcode or an audio barcode, I think that's where it could work. I think because of, I'm just looking in my kitchen, even trying to read out the name of the squash from here is a little bit of a challenge. So trying to add that to my, use Amazon as an example, using Alexa into the, the Prime Now service, which comes by Morrison's, it'll be quite difficult to order that even if it comes within a couple of hours, because there's so many questions that I have to ask you. I think if you can find out the really specific questions then and the answers, then it might work. I can imagine it It could work for eggs, milk, batteries, etc. They're really, you know, doesn't the quality doesn't matter as much because it just interchanges. But I think for the big, for anything that's like, clothing is very difficult search engines haven't cracked it and they're, they're 25 years old voice search is 10 years old you know i don't i personally don't see it and i think there's this misaligned stat that says 25 percent of all searches are voice i think that's absolutely bs and it's been dis demystified yeah i think on average it's eight different search variations you have to apply to make that happen imagine trying to do it on commerce unless Amazon have worked particularly hard I don't think it works so I think this is probably a good segue into the future the future state of voice and what your hot takes are Nick
So the future state of voice, my hot takes this week are there'll be more adoption of voice driven by Gen Z who have become used to this as part of just general their interaction on mobile devices. And I think this will help fuel maybe more clubhouse spin-offs to come to light and especially if there's adoption across mass platforms i think it's not going to go away i think the audio is where the true value is in audio investment and i think audio investment will become big play in this space that obviously links to voice but it is really about the quality of the audio which has been led massively by podcasts and other audio-led entertainment, and we'll see these continue to rise, and these will be the more dominant products, hardware, software, and content comes to market over too much voice. I think the continued improvement of continued improvement of audio hardware will basically raise the standards around audio, and people will have more of an op- opinion on the quality of audio, and people won't want to compromise on the quality. So I think more rough and ready kind of voice play be as valuable to people as, as something that's more highly produced. There will be that place for more informal voice notes and dictation because of the convenience of having to do things on the fly and you don't always, like it's not always easier to type. And I think the spell check, that's something I use. How do I spell that? Oh, why don't I just set it into my phone and see what pops up? There's certain things that are a lot easier there. Natural language will continue to get better and better and this will allow more product opportunities, software opportunities and adoption in the workplace. But it will be different strokes for different folks. It will be people that feel uncomfortable wearing a headset and talking for no apparent reason or sporadically doing it and their whole office being like, who are they talking to me or who are they talking to? It's already difficult enough with headsets. Some people do learn better from listening, like visual learners, and there'd just be a, a, a range of choices for people to make there. I think the big thing that's going to happen is whoever cracks, and you mentioned, touched on this slightly earlier, but making audio more inclusive in terms of they'll become headset wearing, etiquette, normalization, practices in the workplace and also at home. It used to be I've got my cans on, you go to a developer, that was a big F off. It's deep in code in here, leave me alone. Like the sign is, I got my headphones on. I had it in the office yesterday where I was talking across the office to marketing director and the other two people had their headphones in. They didn't know if we were talking to them because we're cross talking. So I can imagine almost like a kind of walkie talkie system where you just tap and walkie talkie someone across the office on your headset, almost like an internal phone network or something like that. I think that would work quite nicely, but it needs to be like one button touch. Speak to Jess, here we go. And I can see that kind of being part of the future state. So there is this normalization of audio quality, headset wearing, ability to move between hybrid environments and the actual convenience, taking the sting out of what doesn't work quite so well. From a personal perspective, I think voice could help power the adoption of VR as well as that etiquette side that I just spoke about there I think voice helping the adoption of VR because typing in VR with a handset controller gun pointer is very difficult and I think VR is one of those you mentioned headsets in the home so we all get great audio when we're listening to the telly or whatever and everybody's just walking around in with audio hardware in headsets it's the same with VR I think this kind of natural progression to have an etiquette around these things. And even though wearing headphones seems like an individual experience, I think we'll find ways to make that more inclusive. And I think that will help with 
things like VR and voice in VR is much better than typing on a controller. So I just think it will open up this host of opportunities in personal life and, and work life. And I think voice in the home will continue just due to the convenience. Add things to your shopping list, ask Alexa to turn the heating on, ask Alexa to turn the heating off because you left it on while you're on holiday. There'll be different connected home things that I think make sense. Turn lights on and off, like classic uh, American model of if it's convenient and why do it another way. So uh, they're my hot takes. What about you? They're good ones this week, actually. Very good. I think that voice in the workplace makes meetings and stand-ups and work in progresses, whips, whatever people call them now, go more quickly and more efficient. So I think they're going to be adopted more and more. There's a lot of tools that offer that. I, my own personal opinion is I think voice helps a lot with internal purposes so like for your own processes so like voice notes but make them more immersive so i actually think there's going to be a lot more internal podcasts so facebook amazon have it for what they call s team or elt so for the executive teams and they have uh, private rss feeds for people in that and i think actually that gives a lot of different options and ability for people to stay connected. I think the story formats that are on Instagram, Snapchat, etc. I think they could actually be driven by voice with an image. So I think you actually could apply both ways. You raised the point around uh, fear of deep fakes. So I think there's some automation that could be ha that could happen. So someone could do something and they could record something and then there could be a video put in the background, which could be a pro and a con. I think deep fakes is something people to fear of in a few years time, not necessarily today, but then everything is based on trust. So that's the trust exchange. I actually, a lot of the time it helps like the in remembrance or in memory of. So often there might be someone that's unfortunately passed away, but you can memorialize them and you can have such a deep connection to their voice. There's a lot of positive functions of the future of voice in those reasons. There's a lot of talkative people what can actually happen is you, there'll be tools that will fade people in and out, especially in meetings. I think there'll be the interruption level is really important. So if you've ever been in a meeting, someone doesn't have a headphone in with a mic, they can often be overspoken or can shout over people with headphones in. But that will have to change. Voice commands, although the usages and skills of, on Alexa have reduced, I think they'll only have to improve. And I think if anyone's in the place to do it, it's Amazon. I think voice needs a lot of archives. It needs millions of hours worth to understand pitch flow, etc. So I think these platforms are going to have to improve them. I think audio experiences on native work platforms are going to be really important. So I think Slack, Discord are all, all, all going to go on it, but they have to be first class citizens. And then just lastly, AI and auto dubbing is going to be huge. So I think there's going to be a huge area of investment that go into it. Descript has a load of features. There's otter.ai which a lot of podcasters used to use and do use. There's a little hack that people have been using. So if you're in a lecture online or you're being part of something, you can hit the function key a couple of times on Word or G Suite or whatever, and it actually dictates it for you. And then there's rev.com, which a lot of YouTubers use to, to do translations. So I think there's a lot of good use cases. I think just to, to summarize it for me is there's a lot of opportunity and a huge amount of investment, but things like Clubhouse have already been broken down. So I think there's going to be like podcasts, there'll be the high quality, high production value. Then I think there's going to be 
the super production which are in an adobe format an adobe surround format that isn't supported a podcast typically is in meg some of them are actually like 40 gig in size so because they're so immersive and so high quality we're probably going to see a step change like we said last week in the future state of work and future state of offices audio is going to be such an important factor so huge time i think there's going to be tools and huge investments in the hundreds of billions into this area that will get us moving forward and one more just to add actually that i just thought of i think there's going to be repurposed content opportunities around voice as well which we actually mentioned earlier on in the show some of the transcripts then turning into an animated transcript that you can then post on social i think we've always as marketeers looked for how do we repurpose content across multiple platforms in different formats and i think there is that opportunity as well that is powered by voice led discussions a piece of content so there's definitely the tools are there really to support that infrastructure there's i i think that blend between voice and audio I think audio's the leader in this space. It's all going to come down to audio quality and how people want to consume and the quality of that consumption and production value and everything else. But that voice side of things very much plays into the overall audio picture. So as we awkwardly wrap up, if you want to sign up, subscribe, we're on every platform. So definitely hit subscribe. I, we love feedback. Um, if you want to go to the futurestate.co.uk, you'll get full transcripts, you'll get the hot takes, and you get any of the research that we did as well. So thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.